0: Hamas uh, are the new Nazis. Hamas is ISIS, in some instances worse than ISIS. And just as the world united to defeat the Nazis, just as the world united to defeat ISIS, the world has to stand united behind Israel to defeat Hamas. This is part of an axis of evil uh, of Iran and Hezbollah and Hamas. Their goal, open goal, is to eradicate the state of Israel. The open goal of Hamas is to kill as many Jews as they could, and the only difference is they would have killed every last one of us, murdered every last one of us if they could. They just don't have the capacity, but they murdered an extraordinary 1,300 civilians, which in American terms is like many, many, many 9-11s. So obviously, we must take action to defeat Hamas and to ensure that this doesn't happen again. But this is not only our battle, it is our common battle, the battle of civilization against barbarism. Uh, And if it's not stopped here, this savagery will reach you very soon and reach the entire world. You know, uh, years ago, I asked Secretary of State, when he and I were working in the Senate
1: to write something for man. He said uh, he wrote a line that uh, I think is appropriate. He said um, it's not we need uh,
0: not just. Uh, well, I won't go into it. I'll wait later. Taking too much time.
1: There's the fake president in Israel today, as I covered yesterday. Obama ordered him to make this trip, and we're still still trying to figure out why. This was planned and what good has come out, out of it. We'll uh, talk in this first segment about this trip and what was canceled, even as, uh, even as Joe Biden was making his way over to Israel earlier today. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live stream of this show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the U.S. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or... To the Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash trumpet daily. If you watch on Rumble, leave us the thumbs up, leave us some nice comments, enjoy the live chat. If you'd like to email the show, hopefully we can get to some email feedback in uh, one of these coming days. Just email us, td at the I guess uh, at the moment they're uh, voting again for Jim Jordan. He came up. 20 votes short yesterday, and uh, his team was applying pressure, making the phone calls last night. There are some reports that maybe he'll pick up a few more votes in the second round. There's others saying he may lose some votes. So it looks like it's going to be a struggle, not unlike the one that happened last uh, January or this past January with, uh, with Kevin McCarthy. So we'll keep our eyes on that as there is a strong resistance for those few remaining rhino Republicans in the House to fight against MAGA taking over the Republican Party, essentially, at least in the House. And then, of course, they see Donald Trump. He's leading all the polls, even with the gag order. And uh, we'll see if we have, t- have time to cover some of that today since we uh, ran out of time on that uh, yesterday. But just to, again, set up this, this trip That Joe Biden took at the last minute in Israel today leading up to this he's meeting with Israel all the talking points were hit by Blinken we played the clip for you yesterday he's going over there to show support for Israel he's going over there to keep things moving with third parties I guess it means Iran to try to get the release of these uh, these 200 hostages. He's going over there also to caution Israel. Now, make sure there's no civilian casualties. The, the rules of war apply to you, but not to Hamas. They can kill, uh, they can kill ordinary citizens, you know, just civilians, uh, indiscriminately, no problem. As, as Benjamin Netanyahu, I mean, what a contrast, by the way. You look at what he said yesterday, or, or sorry, today, and uh, you compare it with what the fake president is there saying remembering a quote from some former politician and then he and then he says, well, I won't get into it. It's not a good look for the United States. And there were a lot of people concerned about exactly that leading up to this. But he's going over there to meet with Bibi. But then also he had later today he was to have the summit in Jordan with King Abdullah and also President Sisi from Egypt together with. The P.A. leader, Mahmoud Abbas from the West Bank, they were to assemble together because, you know, the big I mean, the big uh, issue here is what's going to happen with with the Gazan refugees. And Jordan, the King, King, King Abdullah announced yesterday, there's no way we're taking refugees from Gaza, not even one. Egypt, they're not taking any either. So that's why the squad and others are calling for the United States to take in Gazan refugees. I think even Nikki Haley's on board with that. It really is unbelievable. They think they can go through and sort of pick apart. Well, here's a good Palestinian. Here's a Hamas sympathizer over here. We'll just take the good ones. Look at what's taking to the streets in London, in New York. We've been right on top of that on this program. There are Hamas sympathizers in our midst even now. And quite a few people in Washington in the swamp, they want to take in more, I guess. It's destroying our country. So, he's to have this summit in uh, in Jordan. And then yesterday there's this big blast in the, at this hospital in Gaza and Hamas right on cue says, "Oh, Israel struck a hospital." They aimed at a hospital. Never mind, by the way, that this is a war and that that's where Hamas will set up their headquarters and store their bombs, underneath the hospital. But, but leave that aside. The Hamas propagandists, right on cue, they're there to tell the BBC and all the Western journalist agencies that Israel did this. And, of course, they lap it up. And Mahmoud Abbas, seeing all this, says, you know what, I'm not going to the summit with Biden. I mean, we're in mourning. The Israelis have killed 500 civilians at a hospital, no less. So he bows out. Then King Abdullah comes forward and says, "Well, if Abbas isn't coming, there's no need to have a summit here." So I don't know what Joe Biden's going to do with his extra time on this trip, or if he's just coming back home. This is unbelievable. Then, then we come to find out later in the day that it wasn't Israel that blasted the hospital out of existence. It was a misfire from Hamas. Or or Islamic Jihad, it's the same thing. They're both Iranian proxies. So Hamas, with the help of Islamic Jihad, they blow up this hospital. They blame Israel. It nukes the the summit in Jordan. And then there's Joe Biden, the fake president. He's left to... uh, Try to say a few coherent sentences and then come back home. There's nothing we've heard about a hostage release. Maybe that'll come later. We'll see. Why did Obama want this to take place? Is it just purely like Sundance says, to sort of uh, uh, refashion his image a little bit since it's been such a disaster in recent months here at home? Perhaps we'll see more later. But as I say, the regime media with respect to this fake news about Israel blowing up a hospital, they took that narrative and they ran with it. Believe me, they ran with it. This is uh, clip six.
2: Oh, we have heard nonstop stop sirens basically for the last few hours that in response to this horrifying strike on this Al-Ahli Baptist hospital. We are hearing initial estimates of at least two to three hundred people killed in that strike. A dramatic and horrific intensification of violence that it could potentially have been a Uh, a hamas misfire if you like of a rocket but certainly it looked like an enormous blast hard to see uh how that would have been a a misfired rocket Uh,
1: now obviously hamas immediately blamed israel israel has pushed back they've supplied some evidence which nbc has not been able to independently verify to support that claim
2: you know it is hard to see what else this could be really given the size of the explosion other than an Israeli airstrike or several
0: airstrikes. That there are instances in the past where the Israeli military has said things in the immediate aftermath of an incident that have turned out not to be true in the long run. If you're asking for proof, you know, you don't really want the proof. You just want to make sure you have a story. And unfortunately, there has been so I, I, much I, premature... Hang on, I don't want you to suggest... Hang on, Peter. This. This, that is it's unfair. Just, just I just do want not want you to humans. suggest
2: that we are not seeking the truth. Peter Lerner, we are trying to seek the proof and that, please don't Peter, suggest that we're not trying me, to identify the truth because that is exactly what we are doing. It's like, it's doing, like
0: you'll, never be, you'll never be content with whatever I share because you'll ask for more and more and more and more. Uh, you, know, when, you can take what I say for face value. And as Peter, I am
2: reporting what other people, when, what when the, when what the Palestinians are Jazeera. asking for.
0: But it's not the Palestinians. You are parroting okay. what Hamas All right. Hamas well, let, is I'm going to leave it there. The it's good to have, you, it's good, good to, to have you, Peter Lerner.
2: It's good to have you,
0: sir. Has been manipulated. You
2: understood. We are trying to nail down the facts. A mass casualty event that could change the international. Uh, opinion of what Israel is doing right now it could shift international opinion against them it's and that
1: isn't to say that it, that Israel is to blame for this at all but it it is a matter of perception that they have to be very much concerned about notice notice that by the end of the day when the narrative completely... Israel provided video evidence, what is it with the one guy that says, you know, we haven't had the time to independently verify it? They take Hamas, the IDF guy was exactly right. You're just, it's, forget, about, forget about the Palestinians. You're just taking Hamas's word for it. Then Israel comes forward with video evidence sh- showing that they didn't do it. And then the media, they backtrack just a little bit, but they say, we haven't really uh, independently verified this. And then the one guy saying that, you know, the IDF, in times past, I mean, they have been proven to, to be liars. They say that about the IDF as ha- Hamas lies constantly. They take Hamas's word for it. Israel's got to bring forth the evidence, and even when they do, even when they do, the reporters say, We, we really can't verify it. They're, how can you? Israel's reeled into this propaganda war, and it's all by design. The ground invasion that they've promised, it still hasn't happened. The attack was on October 7th. Here we are today. What's today? The 18th? 11 days on. And you see what Israel has to put up with. The IDF spokesman saying, you're just parroting Hamas, which of course she is. (laughs) The IDF, they're the liars in all of this. You know, it's interesting, too. The hospital that blew up, you notice it's a Christian hospital You wonder why, you know, where's the Saudi Arabian uh, funded hospitals in Gaza? Are there any? What about Jordan or Egypt? Do they they put up hospitals because they love the Gaza uh, refugees or the Palestinian people so much? It's always these Christian organizations. And then Hamas, for their part, as I say, they put the bunkers underneath the hospital to store their bombs. This guy saying the size of the blast suggests that it was definitely the IDF. The size of the blast is because they're storing bombs underneath the hospital. These people. Listen to this. The last bit, let me just quote Lawrence O'Donnell. He has a show late at night, so this is just last night. The narrative has completely blown apart. Excuse the pun. And it says that isn't to say that Israel is to blame for this all for this at all. That's Larry O'Donnell saying we're not saying that Israel is to blame for this. No, not at all. And then what does he say? But it's a matter of perception. You're the one who's who's generating the perception. The regime media generates the perception it's a lie. People believe it. You know there's going to be Palestinian activists on the streets of a western town near you saying that Israel blew up a hospital, thanks to Lawrence O'Donnell, thanks to all the rest of them that said, well, the size of the blast obviously shows the IDF did it. So people have to spend time. I have to spend time just trying to convey the truth to you on a hoax, another media orchestrated hoax. And when they're proven to be liars, the regime media, that is, then they say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. We really don't know who's right or wrong. But the perception, you see, the perce- a lot of people are going to believe that Israel did blow up the building. Where, where are the apologies? This is from Elizabeth Warren. She's a, a senator. The blast killing hundreds at a hospital in Gaza is deeply wrong. I grieve for each person lost." I wonder if she had a statement like this after they butchered the babies, Hamas. There's no excuse for the deaths of people seeking care and those who treated them. International law is clear. Innocent civilians must be protected and have access to humanitarian aid. Hamas killed their own people. The more this story unfolds, the more you wonder if they did it on purpose. Was it a misfire? Maybe it was. Was it on purpose? Something tells me Hamas doesn't care if there's some collateral damage, even with their own hoaxes. They know how the game is played. They know what Elizabeth Warren's going to tweet. Rashida Tlaib, Israel just bombed the Baptist, it's a Christian hospital, the Baptist hospital killing 500 Palestinians. Doctors, children, patients, just like that. She's a sitting member of Congress, and she said Israel did it. Did she apologize? Did she delete the tweet? Ilhan Omar, you got to include her, she's, she's, a, she's a member in good standing of the squad. Bombing a hospital is among the gravest of war crimes, the IDF reportedly blowing up One of the few places the injured and wounded can seek medical treatment and shelter during a war is horrific. It's as if the Hamas attack, the invasion of Israel, 11 days ago, it's as if it it didn't happen. Now we've moved on. Israel's bombing hospitals, don't you know? This was Joe Biden earlier today in uh, Israel, clip three.
0: Dead and outraged by the... uh Explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday, and based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not not you,
1: not you. He says to, to Bibi, not Israel. Even Joe Biden, even Joe Biden knows the facts about this fake story. I mean, that's that's saying something. But are the others going to repent? The regime media, members of Congress, senators. Look at how quickly they take what the Hamas propagandists say as factual, as truth. I mean, this is, this is something worse than being a Hamas sympathizer. There was a cartoon going around the social media sites yesterday of someone saying, put those January 6th protesters uh, behind bars, and then pointing to a, a Hamas terrorist with blood dripping off his machete, saying, now, you know, don't be too hard on him. He's just butchering babies and mothers. It's hard to even wrap your mind around the extent of this kind of evil, this kind of lawlessness, sympathy for terrorists. And Benjamin Netanyahu, he gets up there and he says, look, if we don't crush this here, It's going to come to your country. It's going to spread. And he's, of course, right about that. Carolyn Glick, she, uh, on her podcast last night, we had her on the program just a week ago. But in her podcast, she was talking about Biden's trip. And, you know, I've raised questions about it. What is this all about? Uh, She went quite a bit further last night saying that, you know, he's standing in the way, Joe Biden actually Joe Bama, but he's standing in the way of Israel's right to defend itself. As I say, we're 11 days on from the invasion, from the attack, and besides the bombing of some few strategic targets, the ground invasion has been put on hold. Listen to Carolyn Glick from her podcast, Clip Two.
2: The point here is that the United States is funding and arming our enemies the Palestinians, the Lebanese. And then they're telling us that we have to enable the resupply of Hamas and we're not allowed to open a, a, up with a preemptive attack against Hez- Hezbollah while they're shelling us and saying, well, no, they, you know, they haven't crossed that line. They haven't crossed that line. When they cross that line, we're going to come in. And and what, is, what does Biden say, right, in all of his public statements in 60 Minutes and his pro-Israel speech that he gave on October 8th? when he said all the people who are threatening Israel, right, all of you state and non-state actors, I have one word for you, don't. Well, where's the else? What was the else? What are you going to do? Because tomorrow, Wednesday, the UN sanctions that bar Iran from selling or purchasing ballistic missiles on the international market are set to expire. So starting tomorrow, October 18th, Iran is going to be able to purchase and sell as many ballistic missiles wherever it wants to, whoever it wants, at whatever price. And, and America, is it stopping this?
1: America is not stopping it. In fact, America is funding it. America is fueling it. Which is why you wonder why Israel would even welcome the Biden administration into uh, the nation, Israel. I mean, I, I understand the position BB's in. I mean, you, you, you want to have America on your side. And if you judge by, you know, opinion polls, America is on the side of Israel. But Joe Obama is not. Barack Obama's on the side of the mullahs. Lee Smith at Tablet, the title, The Biden Administration Tries to Hide What It Knew About the Impending Massacre while leaving U.S. backing for Iran untouched. You know about the $6 billion. You know, You know about Iran being awash in cash because we've lifted all these sanctions, and they're drilling, drill, baby, drill, in Iran. And the billions are flowing in, for sure, in large part because of Barack Obama, because of the puppet, Joe Biden, the Joe Obama administration, Lee Smith talks about Robert Malley, how he's, he's high up there in the, the U.S. regime as they're helping the Iranian regime. And Malley's being investigated for helping Iranian spies infiltrate the U.S. government. He talks about the attack on October 7th, 1,400 Israelis slaughtered and how that, in his view, The United States is trying to cover up for the fact that it knew something was afoot. Something was coming. I don't think the intel agencies understood just how horrific this attack would be. I think they they thought, and Lee Smith touches on this at the end of his article. I'll give you the quotes in just a second. But even those reports that Egypt knew and Egypt tipped off Israel, and then, of course, they came out later and denied it all, he, Smith goes into the connections between the U.S. government and the spy agencies and Egypt. He says, how could they not have known something was coming? Even Israel needs to be looking at itself, as Carolyn Glick noted last week, for its intelligence and security failures. But he says all of this, what you see Biden doing even now over in Israel today, it's all meant to cover up the fact that there were some higher-ups in the U.S. government that absolutely knew something was, some kind of attack was coming. Let me just get to the key statements in his piece. Moreover, sources for the Times piece claimed that for over a year, Iran helped plan the Hamas attack. It goes through all of the, the Washington Post, right, the Wall Street Journal, the Times, I think it's talking about maybe the London Times, either that or the, the New York Times. But it mentions these stories that have, that have basically come out and shown, yeah, of course, Iran was behind this, and how that the U.S. is even trying to cover that up. We've gone through that before on this show. Smith says, the Biden administration has no plans to confront the regime that it is keen to arm with a nuclear bomb. That's Iran. Iran. Since the Obama administration first began negotiations with the Iranians over the nuclear program, the United States has given Iran tens of billions of dollars and made available to the clerical regime additional hundreds of billions. Iran, in the eyes of the Biden team, just insert Obama to the mix as well, in, in, in the eyes of the Biden team is not a potential belligerent, but a prospective partner. Iran's a partner. It's Obama's partner. This is not even something like we're just trying to appease them and make nice so that they'll like us eventually. They are partners. It's much, much worse than that. They're partners. It says, as one intelligence source told CNN, I think what happened is everyone saw these reports and were like, yeah, of course. The reports of the the oncoming attack. And they said, yeah, of course, But we know what this will look like. Sure, Hamas kidnaps an Israeli soldier every now and again. Maybe this time the embarrassment will finally topple Netanyahu like the White House has been trying to do since since he returned to office. But hundreds of hostages, including infants, with U.S. citizens among them? You see, they didn't realize the scale of the attack. They were caught unawares with respect to that. And so what has ensued these last 11 days is the cover-up. It's always the cover-up that in many ways is even worse than the crime. Incinerating entire families, they weren't expecting that. Chopping the heads off babies, shooting mothers and leaving their their booby-trapped corpses at the foot of their infants' cribs so anyone trying to move the deceased would kill everyone in the room. They weren't expecting this. Not something this well-planned and coordinated. Smith talks about how the paragliders did their training in Lebanon. This is going on all over the place. What a failure, not just for Israeli intelligence and security, but for the US, Egypt, Lebanon, all of them. How could they have missed this? Well, we know a bit of that here in the United States that kind of an intelligence failure of our own, if you go back to 9-11 and what led up to it. But then you see after 9-11, then people started to connect the dots and see all of these attacks on U.S. targets that went on for a decade at least. A decade. And we just kept turning a blind eye to it. Okay, there's going to be an attack on a U.S. Navy vessel somewhere or or maybe the World Trade Center in 1993 where it blew up a little section of the building, but it didn't bring the whole building down. We continue to turn a blind eye to it for a decade. And then the big hit comes. Well, Israel had its big hit. It's 9-11 times 10, or 20, 11 days ago. And Israel's still trying to figure out how to respond. And Biden's out there trying to stonewall the operations. And you've got more and more people. Well, the hospital blew up. We've got to have a ceasefire. Okay, Hamas attacked. Israel returned fire, hits a hospital. Now, that's enough for both sides. We don't want it to get disproportionate. So we need Biden over there calling for a ceasefire, calling for a truce, a truce. Can you imagine if something like that happened at this moment? where Hamas went in, butchered 1,400 Israelis, kidnapped another 200, and they're torturing them and raping them and who knows what else. And then they blow up their own hospital in Israel. Israel somehow, they're the the oppressor. They're the occupier. They're the one that's on the offensive. How twisted and perverted is a narrative like that? chopping heads off babies, just to finish this quote, killing everyone in the room with booby traps. No one expected that. So now everyone is attempting to shift blame for the miscalculation of how, many res- of how messy the result would be while leaving U.S. sponsorship for the author of the attack untouched. This is America-sponsored terror. That's what it is. And they didn't realize just how messy this would be this attack from Hamas, and so they've worked very, very hard to say we didn't know about it, Egypt didn't know about it, Israel made some mistakes, but you, know, you, for, you can forgive that. Nobody else saw it coming. And oh, by the way, Iran, no, there's connections to Hamas and Hezbollah that go back decades, but on this, on this attack, no connections whatsoever. It really was just strictly, strictly limited to Hamas and Hamas alone. Now, Let's make sure that we don't go in any further or any more aggressively because civilians are dying at the hospital. And the IDF caused it. This is from, uh, from Breitbart. World leaders spread Hamas lies on the hospital, incite riots against U.S. and Israel. Trudeau in Canada is among the first to blame the Jews. So Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, he's right in step with Talib, with Omar, with Elizabeth Warren, and the regime media. So much being covered up. (laughs) Cover up worse than the crime. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Appeasing Iran has failed says, even now, Team Biden does not seem to have internalized the reality that the American policy of conciliate to evacuate, to develop a U.S.-Iranian detente uh, that would allow the U.S. to reduce its role in the region remains, as it has since President Obama first began to implement it, a destabilizing force in the Middle East. It has discomfited our, our friends, disrupted our alliances, emboldened terrorists, and provided Iran's mullahs with the resources to turn both Hezbollah and Hamas into formidably destructive forces. He gets it right. started under Obama, and it continues with Obama's third administration, the third term. It says here, the cynicism of Iran's mullahs and their enablers is, in the end, the most shocking Set aside Israeli casualties and the blood of innocent Jewish children. Those who claim to rule Iran in God's name do not care how many Palestinians die in the service of their ambitions. (laughs) They despise the Sunni faith to which Hamas belongs. And if they could, they they would persecute tomorrow the terrorists they arm today. So because Hamas is killing Jews, well, that fulfills Iran's purpose. So we'll use them, but they're expendable. We don't mind. We'll don't we blow up a hospital, no problem. Like I said, who's to say it's even a misfire when you've got these kinds of radicals running the show from Hamas's perspective? This is an operation carried out by Iran, Iran's proxy. This guy says, the truth is simple. Iran is at war with Israel and with the U.S. It does not seek compromise or accommodation. It does not want its interests respected or its grievances redressed. It wants what it says it wants, a holocaust in Israel and the destruction of the U.S. Now, now what's important about that assessment, and he's right, is that Obama... If Obama's not just trying to make peace with an enemy to appease them, he's actually siding with them. Then what does that tell you about his true intentions with respect to leave aside Israel for the moment? They're the little Satan. This is the big Satan. That's the way the mullahs see it. And let's be honest now. That's the way the dear leader sees it. This is the cover of the latest Trumpet magazine. It's got Obama in the basement. He's got the earpieces in. He's running the show as he said he dreamed about doing. Back in 2000, what was it, 2016, 2017, he was on with the funny man, the not so funny man, I should say. They got their writers back, by the way. So when we're looking for Gravian clips, we've got to sift through all of the ridiculous stuff from the late night comedians. They can't function without a team of 26 writers around them writing jokes that aren't even funny. They go off TV for six months during writer strikes. They're back now. It's just an annoying little presence on Grabian that uh, Sam and I have to sift through from day to day, but we get through it and we find the ones that we feel like are worthy to be broadcast on this show. Anyway, let's bring it back. Let's focus. Let's focus on the topic at hand Request a subscription to The Trumpet Magazine. If you're not already a subscriber, you can get one by calling our operators. They are standing by. They're downstairs in this facility waiting for your phone call. one 930 3024 If you'd like to email the show and submit some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Just, just email td at tdathtrumpet.com. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back.
0: Are we living in the last days? Some dismiss the notion as fanatical, but world leaders and news analysts are issuing warnings that are becoming more and more dire. Could Bible prophecies
1: about the last days actually be accurate? Our brochure can help guide you through the relevant news and history, and help you compare these
0: events to what the Bible says. Are we living in the last days? This brochure is available for free right now at thetrumpet.com. Daily News Bible Prophecy. See the connection on The Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need The Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need the Trumpet Daily. Only the Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Flurry every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com.
2: I, I think us non-lawyers are trying to evaluate what violates the gag order and what doesn't. I mean, did he already violate the gag order by complaining about Judge Chetkin? What What's your view on that?
0: He probably didn't violate the gag order, but look, he will. Just
1: had to play that one one clip for you. We've got more on the gag order from the other day. But there's the the now respected journalist used to be the spokesperson for Joe Biden. And she's out there saying, "Okay, the gag order was uh, what is today? The gag order was Monday. And now it's Wednesday. Did he already? This was probably from last night. Did he already violate it? And then there's Chris Christie. He doesn't say the gag order is ridiculously unconstitutional. This is an attack on Donald Trump. It's unjustified in every respect. He's on board with the gag order. And he basically says, well, maybe he didn't violate it this time, but he will. He will. Because he's Donald Trump. He's the bad orange man. So they come out with the gag order. Donald Trump, to his credit, I I have the clips, but we don't have time to play them. He responds to it. He says, this is another sham of an investigation, another, another sham attack. He's out there defending himself. And then the regime media, right on cue, uh, boy, I think he might have violated it. Should he go to jail now? These are the people saying that Hamas is the victim, that Israel blew up the hospital, and on and on and on the lies go. Our refuge is in the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We've been talking in our Bible study segments this week about asking the right questions, and then, as I said yesterday, having the humility, having the courage, having the character to receive the truth, even if the answer to that question isn't what you were expecting or isn't what you wanted... Being humble enough to say, Well, if this is uh, the truth of God, then I've got to accept it. This morning in class, we were talking about the Sabbath. It's a basic subject. We've got a booklet, by the way, which day is the Christian Sabbath. But as I was saying in class today, you go from start to finish. You go Genesis 2. God says, you know, for six days I was recreating the surface of the earth, and then on the seventh day I, I created the Sabbath day. I made the Sabbath. I made it to be holy. The seventh day Sabbath, the Saturday Sabbath. God made it. Moses comes along in Exodus 20, spells it out in the fourth commandment. Keep, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's the only only command that has the word remember connected to it. And God says, now keep it holy, preserve it, hold it to the standard that it was when God made it. And be assured that God did make it. He made the Sabbath, He established the Sabbath. Why? Well, Jesus said in Mark 2, I made it for man, I made it for you. It's a tremendous blessing. Now, that's in the New Testament. I mean, I've skipped over prophets like Isaiah 58 that says, you know, don't even bring your own thoughts into your Sabbath observance. Really try to, really try to align your thinking and even your communication with God Himself on that holy day, on that day that's set apart, sanctified by God Himself. And then you see so much in the Gospels about Jesus Christ and the Sabbath day, you know why that is? Because Jesus Christ kept the Sabbath, he observed the the Sabbath day. Same with the Apostle Paul, it was his custom just like it was Christ's custom. And then you get into Paul's book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4, he's talking about the millennial rest that God's people will experience. When Satan's put away and the kingdom of God is established on this earth, a wonderful world of tomorrow, and Paul says in Hebrews 4 and verse 9 that for, for this reason, there is a Sabbath observance for the people of God today. Yes, the people of God, they still continue to keep, to preserve that Sabbath observance. It's from Genesis 2 right on through, Hebrews 4 and beyond. And yet look at how just casually people, even Religious people just brush it aside. They just dismiss it. Oh, it's no big deal if a man, some man comes along and changes the day or changes the way we observe it or says that it no longer applies. We've experienced that. We saw it happen in the Laodicean era of God's church. It took them all of eight years following the death of Herbert Armstrong to just say, you know what? Doesn't matter which day. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Just do what you want. In fact, if you've got a congregation that's split, have two services, one on one day and one on the other. That actually happened in the Worldwide Church of God. (laughs) It's it's really amazing the extent to which the human mind will go, human reasoning will go to just work its way around the the plain statements of God, the clear instructions from God. Look at the example in Exodus 16. God's telling the Israelites, look, I'm going to rain manna down from heaven, okay? There's going to be a certain portion that you need to go out and collect every day, first day of the week, second day, third, fourth, fifth. When we get to the sixth day, now that's the preparation day. That's the preparation day before the Sabbath. So it's going to be important for you to go out and give a double, get a double portion of the manna so that you have enough food for the sixth day and then the seventh day Sabbath. You'll have a supply of food, and you won't need to go out and work to collect all those manna bits into a barrel of some kind and to mash it down and to cook the bread or or whatever it was and so on. And the Israelites, they didn't heed those instructions. They tried to collect on the Sabbath. They tried to collect a double portion other days. God said, no, I want you to do it exactly the way I said to do it. They wouldn't do it, and they were cursed because of it. There's there's so many examples like that. God just spelling it out, giving us, well, he's given us the instruction manual, the Holy Bible. The words are there. These are the precious words of God. They're all given by inspiration from God. But people just don't heed. They don't obey. Or if they like the message, like James 1 says, they hear it, but they don't do it. God's people, true Christians, are doers of the Word of God. That book, Which Day is the Christian Sabbath? Call our 800 number and request. That wonderful book about a wonderful truth revealed in your Bible. By the way, all of those Laodicean ministers that just so casually changed a foundational doctrine of the church back in 1993 and 1994, they said things like I just told you. If you've got some dissension in the congregation, we'll just let this group do what it wants over here, and then let this group do what it wants. No scriptures, no statement from God, no effort to say, listen, if the congregation is divided, there shouldn't be division, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10. Here's what God's word says. We need more of that. We certainly need more of that in the world today, as I said the other day. I mean, where is God? I think I said it last, last time. Where is God? Amid all of these, these terrifying atrocities, you would think there'd be more summits, more leaders coming up to the podium saying, listen, I, I, I can't believe what I've witnessed these past few days, but uh, I've been really working to try to get God's perspective. Why did God allow this? How could this happen? How should we respond to this? You see, those are are some important questions. They're not being asked today, are they? No, they're not. There's plenty of examples in the Word of God where the right questions were asked for sure. Jeremiah 2, let me take you through this passage. This is verse 4. It says, Hear you, the word of the Eternal, O house of Jacob, and all of the families of the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. They didn't say, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? What is wrong with these people, the prophet of God says. I mean, they're singling me out as if I'm the problem. They should have been asking, where is the eternal that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? You know, the God that led us out of captivity, the God that performed all of those mighty miracles in the wilderness, the God that that would have led us right into the promised land if we wouldn't have if we wouldn't have disobeyed and been so stubborn and hard hearted. Where's that God? That brought us up out of the land of Egypt and that led us through the wilderness through the land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt." You can see why God was so upset with these false teachers, these false priests in ancient Israel. They were preachers for hire. They were serving themselves like the shepherds in Ezekiel 34, not servants of God. They should have been saying, look, we, we've seen all the miracles uh, in Egypt, uh, unbelievable miracles. We're, we're staying with God. We're going to follow God all the way through to the end, all the way into the promised land. Had Israel just walked with God, the God that led them out of Egypt, think about where it would have led them to. As it is, all the adults, they died in the wilderness. Their corpses were were piled high in the wilderness. As God said, look, I'll let your young people go through, but you're going to die out here because of your complaining and your grumbling and because of your faithlessness, your doubting. I mean, Paul addresses that in Hebrews 4. I just talked about it a moment ago. And then he says in verse 9, okay, there's a Sabbath for God's people to remember these lessons, to remember what God established during creation week, to project ahead and to envision that millennial time when there will be a Sabbath of rest over all the earth, a rest from sin and transgression. Ask those right questions. Where is the Lord God that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Where is the God that brought us out of captivity? God is always wanting us to get back to those small beginnings or at least to hearken back to them and to never, ever, ever lose sight of those profound lessons that He's taught us or that He taught to our parents or our parents' parents. It's just so, like I was saying in class this morning, it's just so natural for human nature to just grow complacent, to lower the standard, to stop you know to stop keeping or observing God's commands where we once did or when we once did. but they're there in the commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep, keep it holy, preserve, preserve that holiness. Nehemiah 6, this is I'll just read the one verse about just how zealous and earnest these servants of God were for doing, uh, doing God's work. This is Nehemiah 6 in verse 15. It says, So the wall, they built this wall around Jerusalem. The wall was finished in the twenty-and-fifth day of the month, Elul, in fifty-and-two days. Fifty-two days. That was a remarkable feat. I mean, they had a lot of resistance, a lot of persecution that they had to withstand as well. But they were hard at work doing God's work, building for God and fighting their adversaries as well. My father says in his booklet on Ezra and Nehemiah, you can call our operators for a free copy of that as well, but he says here, we must look to God, we must look to God, do the work, and hold our spiritual swords high. In other words, we've got to build, on the one hand, build for God, on the other hand, make sure that we hold our our weapons so that we can uh, just field off those attacks. It says here, we must work and fight by faith. Some people could ask the question, is this work too much for us? He says, that's the wrong question. Here's the right question. Is this work too much for God? That's what an individual of faith would ask. See, it's important to ask not just any old question, like I said the other day, When Elijah is taken away, you don't want to just say, well, where is God? Like my father has said, it's it's too vague in general. You say, where is the God of Elijah? Where's the God that led Elijah? Well, here's another specific question. The task may seem like it's impossible, but is it possible with God? Can God perform it? Can God finish it? He says, here's the right question. Is this work too much for God? The answer is a resounding no. A thousand times no. Nehemiah knew how to work hard. He inspired the people to do the same. And so now he's remembered as a man of faith. And the people that supported his work. I mean, how exciting that they were involved in such, such a tremendous and exciting project to throw their support behind that, that work that Nehemiah was uh, engaged in, there's more in, uh, in the book of Ezra. We can read a little bit about him. We'll probably run out of time here in a second. But Ezra 6, Ezra 6 and verse, uh, verse 1, it says, uh, Then Darius the king made a decree, verse 2 says, and there was uh, found at uh, Well, let me, get, let me see if I can get further on into the, the action here. We probably probably don't have a lot of time. Maybe I can just conclude with the fact that they fin- it was another great work that they were involved in, God's people. And they were able to carry on, again, facing a lot of persecution and resistance because they, they kept asking the right questions. They kept moving forward in faith, putting their trust in God. They were specific with their petitions before God in prayer, and so so must we be. God really does. There's another book that you can can study through on uh, how to pray, a wonderful little book that gives you marvelous instruction on really putting a lot of detail into your prayer requests every single day. How important is that, again, if we're to ask the right questions? and to really get responses from God, to really get God involved in our daily activities, to bring Him right into the center of the camp, which is something that ancient Israel always struggled to do. And, of course, the Laodiceans in our time, uh, they moved God out of the camp, basically, with the kind of nonsense I just talked to you about a moment ago. So that's all that we'll uh, cover on that today. We've got a little bit more on that same subject I might switch gears a little bit tomorrow. We'll see how that it goes. Email the show, td at trumpet.com. And also, if you're at Rumble, make sure that you give us the thumbs up today so that our rankings can increase. If you want to follow me over at Twitter, the handle is at Stephen Flurry. I guess that's now X. If you want to follow me at X, at Stephen Flurry. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. Thank you for joining us on today's show. We'll see you tomorrow.